0: Welcome to Torati Mecha, Nach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Leah Herzog, and today we will be studying Sefer Amos, Perig Zion, the Book of Amos, Chapter 7. In Parag Vav, Chapter 6, Amos continues to rebuke B'nai Yisrael for their pursuit of wealth and hedonistic pleasure. Their luxurious lifestyles are built on the backs of the poor and a corrupt legal system. They lie on beds covered with ivory, revel in their wine and their scented oils, and engage in licentious behavior. They ignore the poor and have their turned their backs on Hashem. Amos begs them to heed the warnings that Hashem has sent them, both through nature and prophets, and to dear shu, seek out Hashem and return to Him. Hashem's anger is growing, and the punishment of the future War, devastation, destruction, and exile are imminent. Perik Zayin, chapter 7 is somewhat different from previous chapters in both form and content. It is clearly divided into half. The first half is a nevuah, a vision, but the conversation is more between Amos and Hashem. Amos is simply reporting the conversation to the people rather than speaking to them directly the second half of the chapter is actually a narrative conveying a confrontation between amos and the kohen gadol the high priest at the temple in beit el the milamancha the literary motif that amos employs in the first half of the chapter is the phrase koherani hashem this is what hashem has shown me this phrase appears three times in verse 1, verse 4, and verse 7. Hashem relates what he sees, how he reacts, and then how Hashem explains. Pasuk Aleph verse 1 relates the following. Ko ani Hashem elokim, v'hinei yotzer govai b'tchilat alot ha-lekesh, achar gezei ha This is what Hashem has shown me. He was creating a plague of locusts at the time when the late-sown crops were beginning to sprout. The late-sown crops after the king's reaping. This verse is multi-layered, and the listeners would likely hear both the ominous surface message and the larger implications. Amos is picking up where he left off in the previous chapter. Hashem is using nature and natural disasters to warn and punish B'nai Israel and to get them to mend their ways and do teshuva. The locust will consume the harvest and since it is the harvest that remains quote, after the king's reaping unquote meaning at the end of the season there will be nothing left and no time to grow new crops for that year. The punishment is thus twofold the loss of a year's labor and a year's crop, and the famine that follows. Furthermore, the image of a plague of locusts consuming everything was also sure to remind the people of the Makot, the plagues that Hashem used to punish the Egyptians. The parallel, which Amos has raised in previous chapters, is unavoidable, where once the Egyptians were the villains, were judged by Hashem and punished, now it is B'nai Yisrael who are in that position. There is also a double entendre in the Hebrew word that Amos uses for locusts. Rather than use the more common word arbe for locust plagues, Amos uses govai. This word has the same root as the word ligabot, to collect loans. The Mida Keneged Mida the punishment that is a direct representative of the crime that brought it about, is clear. You loaned money and then demanded payment in ways that were either extortionary or totally unlawful. The Torah tells us that when we oppress the poor and they cry out to Hashem, Hashem will collect on that debt. As a result of their practices regarding the poor, B'nai Yisrael, O Hashem, He will now judge them harshly and collect on his debt. While part of the job of a prophet is to rebuke the people and urge them to repent, another part of the Navi's job is to intervene and daven on behalf of the people. Moshe, the father of all prophets, sets the standard for davening on behalf of B'nai Yisrael despite their sins, despite their deserving punishment and amos follows moshe's example in both language and content in pasuk bet verse 2 amos says to hashem veomar hashem elokim slachna miakum yaakov kikatonhu and i said o lord hashem pray forgive how will yaakov survive he is so small the name yaakov refers to both Bnei Yisrael as a whole, but also to the northern tribes, as we have discussed before. Amos is imploring Hashem not to punish Bnei Yisrael too harshly. They are small. They cannot withstand the physical or economic impact of famine, and certainly not of exile. According to the Chidath's commentary on Amos, saying that Yaakov is katan, small, is also a reference to Yaakov himself and his merit for being so modest. In Yaakov's prayer, before he meets Esav after 20 years, he includes the words, Katonti I am too small, I am unworthy of all of the kindnesses that you have done for me. In his prayer, Amos is referring to the zechut avot, the merit of his forefather Yaakov, As well as asking for mercy. And Hashem heeds his prayer, as it says in Pasuk Gimel, verse three, Nichaym Hashem al Zot, lo Tihieh, Amar Hashem. And the Lord relented concerning this. It shall not come to pass, said Hashem. The same thing happens in Psukim Dalit through Vav, verses four to six. Amos has a vision of destruction, this time in the form of a huge conflagration. And he intercedes with the same words, But Yaakov cannot survive this, he is too small. And again, Hashem relents and says, It shall not come to pass. The third vision, which begins in Pasuk Zion, verse 7, is different. Instead of a natural disaster, Amos sees, Hashem Nitzav Al Khomat Anach, Ubiado Anach. Hashem is standing on a wall that was checked with a plumb line, and he was holding a plumb line. A plumb line is similar to a level, a tool used to make sure that something is straight. The commentaries agree that this anach, this plumb line, is a symbol for straightness in justice and in judgment. Hashem operates from a place of straightness and expects us to do the same. Clearly, B'nai Yisrael are not behaving in a way that is straight towards other people. They are perverting justice and ignoring law. And as we have discussed at length, they are selfish and materialistic and display a total lack of compassion for those less fortunate. They also ignore the laws of Ben-Adam la Makom, the laws between man and God. of Zara, idol worship, and the mores that went with it was entrenched, even legalized, in their society. The practices common to other idolatrous religions, which included licentiousness and paying prophets and priests to say what you wanted them to say, were well established and accepted. The twin norms of more is better and might makes right the pervasive ethos. So the two plumb lines, the one making sure that the wall is straight and the one that Hashem is holding, can represent both areas in which Bnei Israel are transgressing. Laws between another and laws between them and Hashem. At this point, according to some opinions, the wall that Hashem is standing on is one that he has put between himself and and his people. By erecting that wall, the pathway back to Hashem, the very return that Amos urged the people to do in the last chapter, is blocked. At the end of this third vision, Amos declares that Hashem will not pardon us any more. And in Pasuk Tet verse 9, Amos predicts, Vinashamu Bamot Yishak israel Yisrael Yeharavu, Vikamti al Beit Yeravam beCherev. The shrines of Isaac shall be laid waste, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be reduced to ruins. And I will re- and I will turn upon the house of Yeravam with a sword. A story unfolds beginning from Pasuk Yud, verse ten. Amos is prophesying in the city of Beit El. Where the main temple of the northern kingdom was located. Beit El is the competitor to Jerusalem. Many felt that Beit El should be the site of the real temple because it is where Yaakov had his dream and named the place Beit El, House of God. Yeravam ben Nevat, the first king of Malchut Yisrael, the northern kingdom, was very shrewd in his choice of where to build the new alternative temple and established the new alternative worship. He chose a place that had spiritual history and one that was in the heart of the land of the 10 tribes. Beit El is not too far from Jerusalem, but far enough, and much easier to access from points farther north, west, and east, where most of the tribes lived. Amatsia, at the time, was the Kohen Gadol, the high priest in Beit El. In verse 10, we are told that Amatya sends word to Yeravam ben Yoash, the current king, telling him that Amos is conspiring against him. Amatya is accusing Amos of many things, not the least of which is treason. He is distorting what Amos has said in verse 9, that the house of Yeravam will fall to the sword, as being directed against Yeravam himself. He is accusing Amos of stirring up the people against the king. Perhaps people who are disgruntled with the king will use Amos's words as an excuse for murdering the monarch. Perhaps the people will become so upset that the economy will falter. And if Amos is, in fact, guilty of moray Bimalhut, rebellion against the monarchy, or treason, then Amos should be put to death a barbanel points out that Amatzia personally has a lot to lose if the people do to shuva he will re- lose the payments that he is certainly receiving for his services not to mention the payoffs that he is probably getting and the deals that he has made with the government and the judges what is fascinating is that the king does not respond to what Amatzia tells him the gemara in psachim the Talmud fills in the gap. When Yeravam hears from Amatzia, Yeravam says, It is impossible that this tzaddik, this righteous man, intends treason. And even if he said what you accuse him of saying, he says it only because Hashem has commanded him to do so. The Talmud tells us that it is for this reason among some others that Hashem has chosen Yeravam ben Yowash, to be the agent of B'nei Israel's salvation at that time, and why he was so successful. In the absence of the king's intervention, Amatya says to Amos in Psukim Yudbet and Yudgimel, verses 12 and 13, Chose, berach el Eret Yehuda, veechol sham lechem, vsham Seer, off with you to the land of Judah, Earn your living there, and do your prophesying there. Ubeit-el lo tosif od lihinabe, ki mikdash melechu ubeit Beit And don't ever prophesy again at Beit-el, for it is a king's sanctuary and a royal palace. In response, Amos delivers what is one of his most famous lines. Lo navi anochi, velo ben navi anochi. Ki anochi uboles shkamim. I am not a prophet, nor the son or disciple of a prophet. Rather, I am a cattleman and a gatherer of sycamore figs. Amos is saying to Amatzia, "I am not a prophet by profession. I don't get paid for my services like the false prophets. I am not from an elite family." I am not from a family of prophets, and I am not from an elite academy where prophets are trained. My life is with the sheep and the cattle, and tending to their needs." There is some debate around this verse. According to Maimonides in his Moreh the guide to the perplexed, Amos has to be trained, and has to have prepared himself for prophecy. Being a prophet requires refining of the mind and of the soul, and even training of the body. Therefore, Amos's declaration must be a rhetorical device. A barbanel, on the other hand, feels that Hashem can choose anyone at any time to be a prophet. Thus, Amos could very much be speaking the literal truth. In either case, Amos is telling Amatsya that his mission is not to serve himself or his family or his academy. His mission is to serve his flock, the literal flock of animals and the metaphorical flock of Hashem's people. The Peric or the chapter ends with a most defying Amatia's threats, his attempts at intimidation and his proposed banishment. He prophesies. He tells Amatia that the punishment for crimes against Hashem, including Avodazara, idolatry, are inevitable. As a punishment for the licentiousness associated with idolatry, Amatia's own wife and the women of Israel, by extension, will be turned into prostitutes, or worse, for foreign conquerors, and his children and the children of Israel will be killed. The measuring rod, the tool to make thing sure that things are straight and as they should be, will divide up the land among the invaders, and the people of Israel, now defiled by both their sins and their conquerors, will be exiled. Thank you for studying together. Le'ilui Nishmat Riva Schwab, Rivka Alexander Sender